Good morning, Soul Sanctuary. My name is Jordan. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is Jesse. And uh, today's a little bit different. As we go to the Word, we continue in our series, Sundays, called Sundays. Our series called Sundays. And today we're talking about why we sing. Last week we kicked off our series talking about why we gather. We explored the very reasons why you wake out of bed in the morning, put your clothes on, put on your Sunday best, walk through the doors, and show up here to Soul Sanctuary. We talked about the the necessity of gathering together. We talked about how it's instructed to us in Scripture. We talked about how church tradition says, come, let's gather with one another. We talked about how it's good for us. How it's fundamentally and inherently good for our mind, for our soul, for our bodies to come gather with one another. We talked about how on Sundays we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's like every Sunday is a little mini Easter. We're in the series called Sundays. And so today is how, not how, today is why we sing. Why do we sing together as a church? Why did we just have a mini concert this morning? Why do we do that? Jesse is going to, um, you're going to lead by example, I guess, today, as we talk about the why we sing. Jesse's going to demonstrate, you're like a living object lesson, I think. I think that's what you are. You're a living object lesson. We're going to talk about why we sing, and then we're going to actually demonstrate the things that we sing, like the actual what, but we're going to tie it directly to the why. We're going to do our best to bring it to life this morning. How many times do we sing together in crowds? Now, you might think it happens at church, in church alone, but I started thinking about this, and I think it's a lot more common than than we think at the beginning of, of analyzing this, of the why of singing. We sing happy birthday, right? Quite often. You ever had like a big crowd of people sing happy birthday to you, and you stand there awkwardly not knowing what to do? So it's a little bit awkward, but it's kind of fun. Happy birthday to you. Uh, We sing together at concerts, right? This one came to me pretty quick. Like at a concert, everyone sings in one voice. Maybe at a wedding on the dance floor, maybe we feel more comfortable singing on the dance floor because the music's really loud, right? It's like if if I said, sweet Caroline, right? You know? So there are just certain moments, like we sing together. You all did it then with one short prompt. There's certain cultural elements that bind us together. I remember that, or or for, for most of us, or for many of us, singing can be a very unifying experience, can't it, right? All the Sweet Caroline singers, they like, the next, they're like, yeah, did you, yeah, you got it. It's unifying. It bonds us together. It could be a little bit awkward too, especially if we don't know the song. It's like everybody else is singing. Those are the moments when you're on the dance floor at the wedding, the song comes on, you don't know it, or it's not in your era, and you're just like, I'm going to sit this one out, right? So it can be awkward, but it can be unifying. One moment, last summer, my wife and I, we went to go see Shawn Mendes, and we were in the uh, arena, and it was this wonder tour, and it was like this moment lead it like i think it was his first song and he kicked off with this song wonder and it was like i wonder what it's like to be loved by 
The whole arena started to shake. Everybody started to scream. The lights were going crazy as he introed into his first song. And I was like, yeah, shot this. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Or, or there's this moment, Jesse, maybe you can lead us. saw some flashlights come out and start going like this and I saw a lot of you mouthing the words and singing along right this guy over here Tyson he's loving this he's in his element right now music some courses there's certain songs like that that they just bind us all together they just draw us in they suck us in and we're having a moment Tyson's having a moment <laughs> You know, some of the young ones said, we don't sit in the front because you call us out all the time. I'm like, okay. I make no apologies. Um, music's a little weird, but it's attractive. It gets its hooks into us. We feel awkward and celebratory and unified and distant all at the same time. Music. An interesting story from the history of Soul Sanctuary. Years ago, when we met down Chevrolet in what's now the Coptic Church, at that point it was a television studio, uh, my grandfather, so my grandfather was a pastor uh, for a lot of his life. He was bivocational, so he worked for the city of Winnipeg, and then he was also a pastor uh, at a little church in North Winnipeg called Living Word Temple, and then at Calvary Temple, Winnipeg downtown. Uh, but when Soul Sanctuary started, uh, my, my grandfather and grandma came, and they were a part of Soul Sanctuary. Now, the music wasn't exactly to my grandfather's taste. He didn't really prefer the kind of songs that we sung. Uh, he definitely had a different flavor, maybe some older hymns and only hymns and none of these choruses, but he put up with it because he believed in the mission and vision of the church. One Sunday, an elderly gentleman was wheeled, in, in, wheeled into the, uh, the gathering space in his wheelchair. And as he sat at the back, my grandfather noticed him. And the man was around 80 years old, and he was weeping. And so my grandfather went up to him, uh, kind of probably being the oldest two gentlemen in the room at that time. And my grandfather went up to him and knelt beside him and said, Sir, are you okay? 
And through his tears, the gentleman in the wheelchair uh, coughed out, it's the music, it's the music. And my grandfather, thinking he understood, said, I know, I know, I'm sorry, it's the music. And the gentleman replied, no, 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 it's the music. And, and something in the music had brought this man to tears. And that, that, the story of that man goes on. He's now passed, but he was one of the first people to give his life to Jesus at Soul Sanctuary. At eight years old, being wheeled in, being touched by the music. Why do we sing in church? That's our question today. I mean, the Bible is full of songs. It's full of songs. In Genesis chapter 2, Adam speaks words to Eve, and they're very poetic. It's like he's singing to her. It's like he's serenading her. The people of Israel throughout the Old Testament are reminded over, over, and over again to sing to the Lord. In fact, many of their songs are recorded in Exodus chapter 15. Moses sings a song and Miriam joins in a little bit later. And it's a song remembering the Exodus. Deliverance from Egypt. The people are instructed to sing. I will tell you, the longest book in this collection of books is a song book. The Psalms, it's a song book. Put to music, many of these songs are. In the New Testament, in Mark 14, before uh, heading to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sings. He sings with his disciples. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he pens hymns. Now, whether he writes these hymns or whether these hymns are already circulating, it's a matter for debate. But in Colossians 1, we get a hymn. In Philippians 2, we get a hymn. Over and over and over, the people of God are instructed. I mean, in the New Testament, the New Testament church regularly instructed to raise their voices and to sing. Singing seems to be a pretty important part of the lives of the people of God. We go together today to a psalm in that song book, Psalm 95. And we read, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. What's the psalmist doing here in Psalm 95? In verses 1 and 2, we get an invitation. It starts, come, come, let us, all of us together, come, let us, let's do this together. We are in this together, everyone. What are we doing? Come, let us sing. Come, let us sing. In verse 2, come, 
Come, let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with what? Music and song. In verses 3 through 5, the psalmist begins to give us some reasons as to why we are going to come together and sing. The psalmist says, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. The King above all gods is not that there's a whole bunch of other gods out there and that this one God that we serve happens to be like the chief of them. No, it's that all other gods are false, they don't exist, and that the only God who actually exists is the only God who is actually worth any sort of honor, devotion, praise, and worship. So, come, let us sing. His hand, in his hand, are the depths of the earth. Why do we sing? Because he controls everything. Because he is sovereign over all. Why do we sing? Because he is the Lord, our maker. He has created us. As another psalm says, he has knit us together in our mother's womb. That he knows us full well, the number of hairs on our head. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is ever-present. For these reasons, we sing. For these reasons, we shout. For these reasons, we make music. Finally, in verses 6 to 7, we get a mix. We get a mix of both invitation and justification for why we sing. It's again, come let us what are we going to do? Bow down. We are going to kneel before the one who is the only one worthy of our honor, our praise. He is, the God, he is our God. And why do we sing? Because we are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. We sing because he watches over us. We sing because he is our provider. He is the one who, who gets us out of the snares. He is the one who leads us in paths of righteousness. Psalm 95 is a great place to start when we talk about the question, why do we sing? It begins to tell us why. It begins to paint the picture. And I want to explore three avenues this morning as to why we sing. Three uh, um, Three points along the road, if you will. The first one is this. We sing to declare. We sing to, to, to declare God's character and his attributes. When we use words like praise and worship, or praise music, or worship music, or praise and worship music, what we're talking about is the only one who is worth any sort of praise and any sort of worship, therefore, we will sing. And what do most of those songs do? They are declarative. These songs are declarative. We declare God's character and his attributes. This is exactly what the psalmist does here in Psalm 95. We are declaring his character. He is the one who is our shepherd. He's not literally our shepherd. He is the one who acts as a shepherd. His character is the one who leads. His character is the one who guides. His character is the one who comes alongside us and shows us the right way to go. We declare his attributes. He is creator. 
This is who he is. It's, it's a part of his makeup. You can't separate creator from God. The God that we worship and the God that we sing is creator. These are things that we declare together in one voice. As we declare his character and attributes, it leads us, O oh Christian, into awe and reverence. Because if the God of the Bible is all the things the God of the Bible claims to be, then the only response is to do what the psalmist instructs, is to get on our knees in worship, is to lay before him. Because if he is all he says he is, then he is everything. And for the skeptic in the room, I mean, that, that's what you have to reckon with. Is he who he said he is. Is the person of Jesus who he said he is, the Son of God, who has come for the redemption of humanity to unify humanity with God in right relationship the way that God intended it to be? You have to reckon with that. And if that's the truth, and if you are a Christian who have said, yes, Jesus is Lord, if that's the truth in your life, then the only response is to sing then the only response is to glorify, then the only response is to declare who he is, because that is the chief good who he is. And so we praise him. We sing about who he is. We sing about his character. We sing about his attributes. We worship. We praise. But in singing and worshiping and praising, using God's character, using his attributes, listing these traits, acknowledging them, that's also a, a, a practice of remembrance. Remember I said in Exodus 15, Moses sings a song. And this song works its way, in, it's, it's in Moses' vocabulary, but it's remembered by the people of Israel, memorized ad nauseum by millions. And it's a it's a song of remembrance. This is what our God has done. And why do we remember? Because it reminds us of character. If God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he did deliver us, then I'm telling you, he will deliver us. Moses remembers. Um, anyone have like a soundtrack to your relationship or to key moments in life? Anybody? Yeah, thank you. I'm not alone in this. For me and my wife, it was Taylor Swift's album Red. And here's why. Because she drove like an early 2000s Nissan Ultima, and I didn't have a car, so she drove me around for our whole dating relationship. And there was no aux cord in that car. There was no Bluetooth in that car. All there was was a CD player. Now, somebody in here is like, Jordan, there were tape decks in cars before that. I know, that's right. This is my story, not yours. Taylor Swift's Red sat in the CD tray for the whole time that we dated the whole time so whenever we drove anywhere in her car it was like loving you's like a da 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 yeah he got it that's the soundtrack to my relationship so whenever i hear any song off the red album especially the first one i'm brought back to those moments i remember what it was like to be totally broke, with my girlfriend driving me around constantly, but having just so much fun doing it, right? Those are great memories. I remember what it was like to be young and in love. 
I remember what it was like when, that so- when those songs come on the playlist today. You have those moments too. That's exactly what goes on in Exodus 15, different context. The Lord has delivered, so we sing a song. And whenever we hear this song, we remember. We remember. We remember. We declare that the Lord is deliverer. We declare that the Lord is faithful to his promise to never give up on his people. We declare, we declare, we declare. We declare, Jesse, kind of like this. As we sing, we declare. Why do we sing? To declare his attributes, his character, to remember who our God is. Secondly, we sing to learn God's truth and to embody his story. We sing to learn God's truth and to embody his story, to begin to live into the story of reality, which is the story of God's work and his work in humanity and his creation of this world and his intention for his creation. Songs are incredible memory devices, aren't they? You remember like grade 11 biology and they taught you a song to remember the different parts of the cell? Or for me, as I sing to my son, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know it, you know it. But it's memory devices. We're learning through song. We are remembering what's good in song. And this is exactly why we come to sing. So we sang a song earlier called The Creed. And it was a song that said, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. What is that but education? That, that is a, a Trinitarian primer for you, that we begin to sing, and as we sing it, we learn it. And if that makes me go, what does that mean? Then I need to begin to explore it. To begin to uncover what does it mean that God is Father and Christ is Son and that there's the Holy Spirit and there's three of them and yet there's one of them. Go back to our Essential series. We talk all about this in our Essential series uh, that you can find on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, all the above. Hey, the podcast is back too. That's fun, right? 
Yeah, that's fun. We have a good time. Again, on all of those platforms, we just talk about this, but during your work week where you can listen to it while driving or shoveling or doing whatever you do for work. But what is this? It, it's memory. It's a memory tool. We are learning through song. It is, a, uh, it is a tool that teaches us right and good theology. What is theology? It is just talk about who God is. Theology is talk about who God is. We engage in theological discourse here together today. And it's not some ivory tower only for the intellectual elites. It's all of us as we talk about God in people's homes, in our life groups, register for a life group today, in our discipleship groups, as we just come together on Sundays and coffee time and, and at work as you're chatting with the person next to you and you talk about religion and you talk about God. That's engaging in the work of theology. Songs teach us theology. That what we're singing is quite important because it teaches us something. It teaches us also to embody the story, to begin to live into the story. And to live into the story, we must know the story. Again, go back to the Essential series, man. We talked all through this. What is God's story? God's story starts in creation. With God creating a good creation with his intention to cultivate something beautiful in that creation. To bring that creation to its fullest. But the plan derails from human selfishness and pride. God doesn't make us robots. He gives us the option. He gives us the choice. And in our rejection of God, the whole cosmos is cast into disarray. But God being faithful, being unchanging continues to pursue his people. I created you for a purpose. I created you for relationship with me and I'm not abandoning that purpose. And so we read throughout the Old Testament, God having chosen a people, the people of Israel saying, I am with you. I will not forsake you. I will make covenant relationships with you. Remember covenant and contract? Contract is we sign in, we agree to do our terms. And if I don't do mine, you don't have to uphold yours. But God enters into covenants, right? Where we enter into relationship. And if you don't uphold your side, I will still uphold mine. And God is upholding his side of the bargain to, uh, to Israel over and over and over. And it culminates in the people that he chose. He sends his own son through the people of Israel, through the line of David, in a new covenant, as the prophet Jeremiah foretold, a new covenant in Christ's blood in which his son is sent as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, where all of the sacri sacrificial systems that we built in the past, they didn't do it. But Jesus is the one who comes, who suffers, who lives a life like you and like me, who suffers and dies in full humanity and in full divinity. But he doesn't stay dead. By the power of God, he is resurrected from the grave 2,000 years ago. He commissions his church, sends forth his Holy Spirit, and promises that he will come again. This is the story, the short form. This is the story. And as we sing, we begin to live into this story. We sing of the realities of God creating. We sing of the brokenness that I have inside of me. And that I reckon you have inside of you. We sing of the reconciling power of Jesus Christ. To take that brokenness and to mend it. 
to orient my life towards the ends to which I was created for, life together in relationship with him. Songs affirm our doctrine, what we believe. They teach us what we believe. And they model to us the story. We are continually recounting the story. So why do we sing? First, we sing to declare God's character and attributes. Second, we sing to learn God's truth and to embody his story. I want to read to you from Colossians chapter 3, verses 16, 15, 15. This was our blessing last week, you may recall. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. This is Paul's instruction to the church. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish. So teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom. So teach with wisdom, admonish with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. From the earliest days of the Christian church, singing was an instructional tool. It's an instructional tool today for you and I as we learn to live in the story. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe. This gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on that cross when Jesus died The wrath of God was satisfied For every sin on him was laid death of Christ Yeah. 
We're drawn into the story, the story that in Christ alone proclaims. Why do we sing? We sing for the edification of our souls. We sing for the edification of our souls. Last week, when we talked about why we gathered, I said, you getting out of bed in the morning, putting on your clothes and saying, I am going to worship with my community, walking through those doors and coming here together, is in and of itself a bodily testament to the reality of Christ. As you proclaim in your action of putting on your pants and doing your hair and driving or busing or biking or walking here and walking through these doors that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. This, of course, if you're a Christian. It is a bodily action where you have said, I believe this, therefore I do something about it. And we come together and we gather for all the reasons we talked about last week. Song is the same thing. We raise our voice in response to his grace. You show up here in response to his grace, not because of anything you did, but because of what he did for you. And so you sing, not because of anything you need to do, but in what you're responding to. You are responding to the one who gave his life for you. You are responding in song to the reality that you are safe in him. You are responding. You are responding. This is what song is. As we come together, we come together for the edification of our souls. But first, what that looks like is a response to his grace, which is important for us to understand. Because if we have it the other way around and we think that in our song we are earning any, any favor or currying any favor or if I raise my hands maybe God will love me more, we got it all wrong. Because he moved first in the depths of your sin and in the depths of your transgression against him. The transgression that you were even blind to, you didn't know. But you were off kilter man, you weren't the way, you weren't living the life that God created you for. And his grace ransoms you. His grace meets you in your pit. And it lifts you out. And therefore, I sing. I don't sing so he lifts me out of the pit. I don't show up here so he lifts me out of the pit. He already has. He has saved me. And so I respond in song. There's the edification and encouragement that comes from hearing others sing. We experience it in a very, like, we experience it already today. When you all went bum, bum, bum to sweet Caroline, there was like a ha-ha, right? Kind of in it. When Jesse played fix to you and you began to lift your phones and, and swerve back and forth together, you were like, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, you know that song too. We feel it in that micro way, but as we come together as a church community, as a gathered body of believers, we begin to feel it in a different way. As the Holy Spirit is at work among us, as we sing, we sing, yes, for the Lord. But there's also a singing for ourselves as we remind ourselves of the story, as we remind ourselves of God's character. Because in my suffering, as I sing about the hope that is mine in Jesus, my soul comes alive in remembrance. My heart comes alive believing that he will do what he said he will do. 
and even more so when I'm in the depths of my suffering, when my life is in the pit, and I hear the voices of the gathered church, of those who have put Christ first, of those who have dedicated their life to his service, of those who believe the same things that we're singing together, as I hear them, my ears perk up. Because I might not have the strength in my soul to sing, but the rest of you sing for me. And as we sing and as we declare, and I might not have the words getting out of my mouth, but I can hear them, I am reminded that in the depths of my suffering that can even keep me from being able to sing that the Lord is faithful, that the Lord is just, that he is who he said he is. As we sing together, there's a mutual, mutual edification that's going on. Our souls are enlivened. We are encouraged by song. We are reoriented in our life path through song. As we stop and as we reflect and as the lyrics make their way from our head into our hearts. And as we begin to embody them and they take root in us and then we begin to live them out. Singing together is a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven. Come with me to Revelation chapter 7. We read this passage multiple times this summer as we read the scripture in various languages, representing the great diversity of our community and the great diversity of Christians across time and space. Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked... And there before me, this is a vision that John has of, of the fight, like Jesus has returned and, and it's a heavenly vision that he receives. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All, all the angels were standing around the throne, and all around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell down on their faces before the throne, and they worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and evermore. If I knew how to take words like that and put it into a melody, I would have done it for you. But that's what's happening. The vision of the end is every tribe, every tongue, every nation united in one voice, singing to our God. His praise, His glory, His honor forever. Because He's worthy of it all, because He has created us with intention, saved us from our pride, and brought us back into that intention. When we sing, it's a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven. Our styles in song will vary. You'll sing one song. I might sing another. My go-to playlist in the car, if I'm listening to like Christian music, I guess, is it's just a hymn playlist. It's, it's the hymns of when I was a kid, and I would hear my grandparents have them on in their house. That's what I listen to. You might listen to something different. You might like an electric guitar. You might like drums. You might like just Jesse 
the majestic sound of his voice. The styles will vary. But at the end of the day, what's most important is what we're doing and why we're doing it. We are singing because we're declaring God's character and attributes because he's worthy of all praise and worship. We are singing because we're learning the story. We're learning what it means to be his people. We're singing for the edification of our souls. We're singing for those who stand in here and can't sing for themselves. A little bit like this. do we do what we do each week? Why do we gather? 
Why do we sing? As you leave this place, Soul Sanctuary, my hope is that you remember why. We sing because he's worthy of our song. We sing and we declare his praises. We declare his attributes. We sing because it teaches us. It teaches us about who our God is. It teaches us how to live in his story, the story of reality, the story of all truth teaches us to remember we sing as a response to his grace this is why we sing i invite you to stand with me we're doing this series uh for one i mean i guess for a couple reasons but what my heart's prayer is for this church community is that as we learn the why behind some of the very tangible and practical things that we do, as we learn it anew, as we, we bring our minds back there, you might know all this already, but today is a refresher for you, that we might begin to participate with a renewed passion, with a renewed conviction in the faith that we express, in the faith that we hold to that we, our hearts might be made on fire again. That you might walk in next week and go, it's the music, it's the music. That's my hope and my prayer for you. I could give you a blessing today, but it seems right and good that instead of me proclaiming a blessing for you today, that we actually bless the Lord that we praise the Lord together. And so we'll sing the doxology, a simple chorus. Let's really make sure to get those lyrics on the screen, the doxology. We sing it together here as one voice, as one community. I'm buying you time, guys. One voice, one community, all together, with each other, etc., etc. I'm going to invite you, Soul Sanctuary community, as we would in receiving a blessing. Let's give a blessing to the Lord. Let's sing his praise. Extend your hands with me this morning in whatever posture you feel. And this is our song to the Lord. And after we're done, twice, you're dismissed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and
sing out.